What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off Day Debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL Show. I am Rob Stats Guerrero from Niners Nation. He is Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. What's up, BLG? Fresh off an appearance off another podcast here on the SB Nation NFL Show Stats. But this is the real one that counts. This is the premiere show on the SB Nation NFL Show. And uh, there was some decision making that I left as a cliffhanger. I don't know if you know about this stats. Did you listen to Monday football Monday? Well, I heard you call me out, which, uh, <laughs> by the way, way to call me out and then say all the things that I have been saying from the second Trey Lance has been drafted. PM. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, don't you appreciate that? Um, and so the, the, for those who don't know, didn't listen to Monday football Monday, don't go back and listen to it. Cause all you need to listen <laughs> to is this podcast. I will sum it up. And RJ gave me, or not RJ, but sorry, Rachel, who obviously is fantastic and one of the best people we have here on the SB Nation NFL show. And I'm not just saying that because she works for me at Bleeding Green Nation as well. Uh, gave me RJ's fake award thing. And uh, I was wondering if I should accept it or not. Just kind of like back in the Olympics where the USA team that believes they beat Russia and did and got screwed wouldn't accept the silver medals because they're like, no, we won the gold. Like you're giving us the silver. We didn't win the silver. We won the gold so we're, we're not taking the silver medals because we're going to reject that so i think i have decided i respect rachel obviously but rj was happy about me winning that award so i'm going to reject his fake award mm. and i'm going to give him another oddcast lvp point like i do every single week to put him further down in the pit of misery please follow sir brad he's going to give you a private tour of the pit of misery i'm sorry what so, wow, he's in the pit of misery? Yeah, he's all the way at the very bottom. Oh, below Urban Meyer. Lower. Yeah, he, he passed the urban level. Wow, that's like the seventh circle. That is low, man. He's in the ice. It's sad for him. But, I mean, this is his favorite show, so I know it's devastating. True. Uh, before we get rolling here, we want to remind you, please rate, review, and follow the SB Nation NFL show. And you know what else you should do? You should go check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app, BLG, because we are sponsored by DraftKings, and they are an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the sports, the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use code SBNNFL. You'll get a special offer when you sign up. Again, SBNNFL. That's your code only at DraftKings. We're going to do something a little different today. Mm. Um, because we were a decent chunk of the way into the offseason. Teams programs are going to start up pretty soon. So we, we're going to look back a little bit. Don't always get a chance to do it because we're always looking ahead on Thursdays. At least I am with RJ. We want to look back at some of our most controversial opinions. You know, we're self-scouting a little bit here as the scouting process is going on. And you, BLG, have collected some of the most controversial SB Nation NFL show opinions. And we're going to look at them, talk about them, discuss them. And uh, I'm I'm excited because I haven't seen this list. I feel like it's a little bit of a uh, festivist kind of thing. Not exactly, but that kind of energy of like, hey, I have a lot of problems with you people <laughs> or everyone's opinions that seem to be uh, consensus or really just. A, it, I mean, the, the premise of this show is things that annoy me. And, I, you know, I'm kind of a bit of a go against the green guy in some ways. And I need to get some takes off my chest. Uh, that might make people mad. So that's what I want to do today is hopefully get some people mad at me because that's always fun. 
I am here for that, man. That's pretty much all I do every day, especially on social media. Where are we going first? Well, let's start off with the Eagles because Eagles fans will love this one. Mm. And that is Jalen Hurts is so much closer to his ceiling than people realize stats. People want to talk about, oh, he's only 23. He's young. He's only last year was his first full season starting. How could you possibly be out on him? Stats, Jalen Hurts is accomplishments quote unquote at the nfl level especially are so over exaggerated i hear he's gotten better every year okay is he good at throwing the football right now (laughs) like is he for as better as he's gotten is he good at throwing the football would you say yes or no to that question uh good maybe but definitely not great no the answer is no quarterback rating inside the pocket in 2020 and this is out of 100 37.9. 37.9. That was in 2020 when he wow. was a rookie. Okay, so that's a rookie really? season. How much better did he get in 2021? 38.8. So 0.08 <laughs> better. Okay, great. Really drastic improvement there inside the pocket. Uh, another big thing is, quote, he led them to the playoffs in his first full season. No, he did not. The Eagles passed the ball at a lower percentage than any team in the NFL last year. I don't want to hear a quarterback who passed the ball less than any other team led the team to the playoffs and the Eagles only got better last season when they stopped passing the ball so much and they started running. So how did he lead them there? And okay, let's say I grant you that. I'm not saying Jalen Hurts deserves zero credit for the Eagles making the playoffs, obviously. But like the the idea that like he was the catalyst and they won because of him, no, they won with him, not because of him. They beat a bunch of cupcakes late in the season last year. They entered the postseason as the newly created number seven seed that didn't even exist a couple years ago. And then they got blown the heck out. They were down like, what, 31 or 35-0 to the Bucks in the first round. And there was a clip after that game of the Buccaneers defensive stack, staff talking about Jalen Hurts as the weak point of the Eagles and being like, well, yeah, he can't do anything against us. And we saw the Bucks kind of just roll out a game plan where they didn't allow Jalen Hurts to roll right. And he was shut down and he couldn't do anything. So, like, miss me with like he led them to the playoffs as this is like some an amazing accomplishment. I'm ranting here, stats, but Jalen Hurts, <laughs> a lot of Eagles fans are gonna come at me and be like, Well, how could you rule him out? I mean, I'm not saying there's a zero percent chance he can succeed here, but I think it's a lot lower than people want to admit. I don't want to hear about Josh Allen. Josh Allen played like 20 something games, 27, 23 in college Jalen Hurts played like 56 like there's a much more of a sample size to know what this player is I know he's 23 I know he works hard I like Jalen Hurts the person I really do but the talent the thrower no there are a couple things that people latch on to to justify their opinion if you draft a quarterback high and he throws a lot of interceptions what do people say well Peyton Peyton Manning through the rookie record 25 interceptions his rookie year and same thing if you have a quarterback that's like been okay, but you 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 want to believe is going to get a lot better. Josh Allen's the guy, right? Josh Allen, what he has done is unprecedented in NFL. Like he, the improvement that he made, the jump that he made, like nobody makes. It's it's an incredibly rare thing. It's part of the reason Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's made this amazing leap, but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to make it. Like that's just not how it works. Yeah, guys tend to get better from year one to year two, but not by that much. Josh Allen, like, leveled up. You know, it's like in Madden, he unlocked a new development trait. He went from, like, star to X-Factor in one year. It was incredible. But but that's what we do, right? We want to justify our priors. 
So we always look back and say, he's going to be just like this guy, or he's going to do just like this other guy did. And it, like you said, it's the Polaroid is, is fully developed with Jalen Hurts. This is who he is. And he's done some good things, but I mean, you talk about the teams, the Eagles beat the Falcons, the Panthers, the Lions, the Broncos, the Saints, the Jets, the Washington football team, the Giants, Washington again, <laughs> like that. It's not the little sisters of the poor, but it's close. And Garrett Gilbert was starting for Washington in one of those games. And Jake Fromm was starting for the Giants in one of those. Like, these are like terrible teams and terrible. Some of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And to the Eagles credit, I mean, they took care of business. There's teams out there who are worse and couldn't probably beat those players or those teams too, like the Jets or whatever, or the Jags, let's say. But it's just not a great spot to be in. I feel like I feel like this Eagle season is so much closer to 2021 that than I really want it to be, than a lot of people would really would hope it'd be. It kind of feels like it's just one big season. I'm not looking forward to it from that aspect. I think Jalen Hurts being here is a big part of that. I think he's going to be a lot more similar than people seem to think. To those to that point you were talking about stats of you know these young players and the potential they've shown. I mean, think about Joe Burrow, Super Bowl, second season, Lamar Jackson, MVP, second season, Dak Prescott, one rookie of the year. Like these young quarterbacks, they typically don't take that long to really develop and show that they're a stud. Justin Herbert freaking threw for 300 yards in his first game against the Chiefs when Tyrod Taylor had a punctured lung and he was starting on like five minutes notice. Like <laughs> you can see when good players typically, not always, but for the most part, I think you can see these good young quarterbacks are good right away. They don't take forever. Josh Allen was an exception, but it's not even like he was an unexpected uh, exception like the book on Josh Allen was that he had a lot of physical tools that were intriguing but he was raw and he needed some time to develop Jalen Hurts that was not the book on him the book was right. that he had a lot of experience in college he played a ton and that he has a probably a higher floor than a lot of prospects do because of his rushing ability and some of the things he can do as a passer um, but like the ceiling is just not there for me so uh, that's my hot take about the Eagles we have a problem just calling people good like, you either have to be great, elite, right? We all love to use that word with quarterbacks, elite, or you suck. You're awful. You're terrible. You're garbage. We never just say, yeah, this guy's okay. Like, that, <laughs> that, some people are. There's some middle ground there. We don't have to always go to the extreme on either end. Jalen Hurts, he's okay. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's okay. Like, there are plenty of guys that fall in the middle, but that's not what we do. And so then... Once we pick our side, then we have to pull out all this other stuff to try and justify whatever position that is. Well, the problem is like when you have just okay at quarterback, you don't typically pay just okay. You have to pay like a premium price to keep that quarterback. Jalen Hurts, yep. it's going to be up for a contract extension after the 2022 season. And you're not getting him at like a friendly rate. You're going to have to pay big money to keep that guy if you want to extend him because that's the going rate for quarterbacks. And that's just not good enough. You're putting a lot of resources into a player who clearly to this point has demonstrated that he can't elevate the team and can't really beat any. He has not beat the best. I say this all the time. I'm a broken record with it. I will say it once more. The best quarterback that Jalen Hurts has ever beaten is either Teddy Bridgewater or Matt Ryan. We can talk about QB wins and like making fun of that. The bottom line is like, those are the best quarterbacks he's gone up against. And his team has won. like, that's, I need to see more. I really do. I hope Jalen Hurts proves me wrong. I really do until he does. I'm not believing it. That's that's totally fair. That's wow, oh man. That's really bad. Okay, what's number two on your list? This is for you, stats. Brought the 49ers into this. All right. The 49ers' reluctance with Trey Lance is a really bad sign for Trey Lance. Disagree? Uh, yes, I disagree. 
because I don't think it's about reluctance with Trey Lance, even though I could understand how you would think that. I think it's trying to win the Super Bowl every year. And it's something you guys talked about on mm-hmm. yesterday's show. The 49ers really thought, hey, there's a chance with Jimmy Garoppolo that we get back to the Super Bowl. We still have this really good team around him, just like we did in 2019. And Trey Lance is really raw. And we're not going to get rid of Jimmy. So he's going to be here anyway. So we might as well play him and see what we got. And we can, you know, Jay, uh, Trey can take a year and develop. I really think that's what it is. Now, the fact that he's still on the team now is inexplicable <laughs> to me. But again, I, I still don't think it's hesitancy with Trey Lance. I think it's more Jimmy did the smart thing and tried to take control of his career and purposely tanked his trade value by waiting to have the shoulder surgery. And so they couldn't they couldn't trade him because nobody wanted to trade for a quarterback that's not going to be able to throw until after July 4th or, or right around there. And they're too stubborn to just cut him. So now they're in this weird game of chicken with Don Yee. And I think it's mucking up a whole bunch of stuff, BLG. I think it's part of the reason Debo Samuel doesn't have a contract yet. I think it's part of the reason Nick Bosa doesn't have a contract yet. And I think it's part of the reason that they didn't sign more free agents. This has been a terrible offseason for the 49ers. And they have botched this Jimmy Garoppolo situation, this quarterback situation, from the second Trey Lance was picked. And they don't see it. And they're about to. I think they may have botched the process of Trey Lance being picked in terms of, I don't know that everyone was on the same page from the outside looking in with Trey Lance. You know, as obviously there was a lot of smoke about the 49ers winning Mac Jones. I can't say if that's really true or not. I don't have the knowledge. But what I will say is that just because a team drafts a player does not mean like everyone in that organization is pulling in the same direction on that player and they all believe in him. There's a lot of times, and I go back to, let's say, for the Eagles, I know of Marcus Smith, when the Eagles ended up taking him. Like The, the Eagles reached a point in 2014 where the six players who they wanted, really, really wanted in the first round, went off the board, and then they were left with their next tier. But they had a limited board because Howie Roseman had his preferences as the GM at the time, and Chip Kelly had really strict like athletic restraints. So they kind of were in the situation where like Mark Smith was there, but they didn't really feel great about him. But they, you know, the clock is ticking, so they just took him. But no one really seemed to like like him, and he was kind of like a healthy scratch earlier on in his career, and obviously he wasn't very good when he did play. So I kind of wonder if that was the case with the 49ers, and I think there's some of that going on. And the other big thing is that. Just because Trey Lance is like this unknown doesn't mean the 49ers don't have an idea of how good or bad he already is. I think you're going to disagree with that, and a lot of people would disagree with that. Like, how would you know you didn't play him? Teams can have an idea of what a player is, even if they don't play games. Like, practice reps matter to some extent, and if a guy is absolutely, like, trash and stinking it up in practice, and I can't speak to if Trey Lance has been or not, but the 49ers maybe think that. That's an issue. Like, that's not nothing. Uh, And obviously, there's stuff, you know, behind the scenes, too, in terms of how a player is picking up the offense and the chalkboard, like all that kind of stuff. Again, unseen things. But I think there are some serious red flags there. Again, you know the team more intimately than I, so maybe you're right with your theory. But from the outside looking in, I think there's greater concern about Trey Lance than maybe we think there is just because he hasn't played yet. I think that if Trey Lance was like doing Josh Allen things in practice from the second he walked in, um, yeah, I think he'd be playing. 
And I think we would know about it. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo would be on the team. Like there comes a point where if Trey Lance was looking so good, right. you just don't care about like Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we could have gotten back a fifth round pick for Jimmy, but so what, whatever we're good. So I agree with you that maybe he hasn't been like flashing that kind of ability, but, and again, I don't know, take this for what it's worth. Everything you've heard is that he's looking good. He's making great plays. Other players, defensive players have been shouting him out that he looks good, that he's he's really starting to come into his own. Who knows? But I just know that the 49ers have screwed this up. They keep trying to make it seem like they haven't. They keep trying to make it seem like their plan was to always have $25 million just sitting around in the team doing nothing and that that's totally okay. They've even got the owner to say it's totally okay in a in a the league with a hard salary cap there. The story that they're selling you is don't worry about this $25 million. It's we don't need it. That's what they're trying to tell you. Meanwhile, their best offensive player has scrubbed his Instagram of all 49ers mm. mentions pretty much like it's absurd. It's just a dumb, absurd thing to do. Teams never ever say, Hey, we screwed up. So like, and there are a, a section of fans out there that unless the team does that, are going to defend them tooth and nail to the end. But with anybody with eyes, ears, and a brain can tell, the 49ers have botched this from the beginning. Last thing I'll say on this is that, to a more general point, I just think fans sometimes think a team is doing something for no explicable reason at all. And maybe sometimes that is the case. But I think, and maybe it's a bad reason, to be clear. They're not, not to say the team is always right. But there is a reason. Like I think there, there is a re- there's something they're seeing and I think that's what I'm trying to get at here is there there's a reason for some reluctance. Maybe it's not only about that, but there's more than a zero percent chance about that. And that is something that is a red flag to me. Uh, are you ready for me to move on stats? Last thing I'll say about that, because I think you're right. Like teams generally know more than than we do. But that doesn't mean that they're always right. Sure. Like people love to say, well, the team knows more than we do. I, th- I think Kyle Shanahan knows more than you do stats. <laughs> like, OK, but. <laughs> People aren't always right. Even with more knowledge, that doesn't always mean that they're right. Like they have more knowledge of all these draft picks than we do, and they still get it wrong. So again, yes, teams have more knowledge, but it doesn't always mean they're right. Okay, we can move on. Well, like just again, I just want to clarify this because yes, I, but they're, Kyle Shannon is pointing to something. He has a reason here, and it could be a really bad reason. And we can all disagree (laughs) with that, but like it is something he's pointing to. I think people just seem to think it's like random or just like, no reason at all. It's a reason. It might not be a good reason, but it is some kind of reason, at least typically. I don't think it's just like nothing. All right. Uh, why don't we stay in the NFC West? And there's been a lot of talk. I think RJ has brought this up quite a bit and obviously kind of came up earlier this year when he scrubbed his social media account. <laughs> and that is Kyler Murray about him potentially being, you know, like the the big, uh, big name quarterback available next year and how that could be intriguing. I want nothing to do with Kyler Murray. The Cardinals reported concerns about Kyler that were kind of leaked to what Chris Mortensen originally about him kind of being like, you know, a bad leader and, and certain questions. They weren't wrong. Like there, there's legitimate concern <laughs> about Kyler Murray. 22, 23 and one overall as a starter. What has the, been the big bugaboo card uh, stats for the Cardinals during the Cliff Kingsbury era, especially they collapse late in the season. Absolutely. And you look at Kyler Murray's record in starting in December on combined six and 11 in December on he is an average passer rating of 85.9 in December on plus, and I didn't even factor this in his that's just regular season, obviously a 40.9 passer rating in the playoff loss this season. Like 
That is an absolute concern. And I would get why they're not thrilled to go out and potentially pay him. And I could get why they would deal him. I think Kyler obviously can do some really exciting things. And maybe we haven't seen the best version of him yet. Maybe he can keep ascending. But I am not in on Kyler at all. And I think the Cardinals have very fair reason to be concerned about him. I think that's all fair. Just look at what he's done the past two years. And it's not like they're always losing to great teams. They lost to a 49ers team in 2020 that was quarterbacked by C.J. Beathard, and they lost mm. that game in their own stadium. Like, they're losing. They lost to the Lions last year. 30-12, to 12, they lost to the Lions. Like, it's not always that they're just getting beat by great teams. And I think with Kyler, like you were saying, things just don't happen for no reason, right? You know, people, you can say what you want when I say this, but I think it's just a fact. Short quarterbacks have trouble seeing the middle of the field from the pocket because offensive linemen are really freaking tall. Kyler Murray is not like it's same thing happens with Russell Wilson. Sometimes he misses guys that are open in the middle of the field because he simply can't see. Why do you think they scramble and roll out to the left and the right? It's because they can't see. They need to get outside the offensive linemen. So I think that's a factor with Kyler Murray and he is not a big person. I have stood shoulder to shoulder with Kyler Murray. He's and you're not, not a big person. He is not that much thicker than me. And I'm 140 <laughs> pounds. Like he's not. I've stood next to the man. The NFL is a physical, physical sport. And I think by the time the end of the season comes down the stretch, he is physically worn down in a way that he is not at the start of the season. And I think that's part of the reason too, that you see his performance fall off at the end of the year, because Playing in the NFL is hard. Guys get the crap kicked out of them every single week. It's like being in a car accident. I think that does have an effect as the year goes on. And I don't want to wash Cliff Kingsbury's hands clean here. I'm not going to say that uh, Kyler has had the best coaching possible and it's all his fault. That's not what I'm saying, but you're the number one overall pick. Like, I don't want to hear that the coach isn't good enough. Like at some point, like you have to do something special in these games and make something happen and maybe overcome maybe not the best coaching in the NFL. And that hasn't even come close to happening just yet. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Kyler to really step up and and show that he's worth a deal if he wants an extension. Because to this point, he hasn't earned it. He should, he's in no position to be like, well, the Cardinals aren't being loyal to me. Why should they be? What have you done for them? What have you done that is so great that you definitely like are the long-term guy? Uh, I don't see it other than just being the number one overall pick. I think he needs to do a lot more. And again, I would not be enticed at all. Like trade, you're talking about like trading multiple for what do you do if you're looking ahead to next offseason? If you're a team, be like your plan is like, well, we might be able to trade for Kyler. How is that exciting to you? Maybe it is if you know you're stuck and you have nothing for a long time or you're super desperate like the Colts. But otherwise, like I just don't get how that's super intriguing. And I think Kyler needs to do a lot better. And the other thing with Kyler, and you may think this is unfair, I you talk about it all the time. I think that he's got some big loser energy. Like the, oh, yeah. the other part of playing quarterback is the the leadership part, the body language yes. part, the setting an example part. And he looks like when things start to go bad, he looks like it snowballs and he goes into the tank. Very similar to Cam Newton. Like I always picture Cam Newton on the sideline with the towel over his head. Hmm. Like that is if you watch Kyler in that playoff loss last year to the Rams, he looks like he just goes into a shell. But he looks like he is so defeated and he just wants the game to be over and to get out of Dodge. And 
you know, I part of me understands that because like you work really hard, you get to a playoff game, it starts to go bad, and and I get that. But at the same time, you need your quarterback to be the last guy that that's going in the tank. You need him to be rallying everybody else so that they don't do that. If you're going to get beaten out of the playoffs, you want your quarterback digging his fingernails into the floor and being dragged out of there fighting, you know, kicking and screaming. And that's just not the guy that I saw when I looked at Kyler Murray in that playoff game. And again, like this, this idea that stuff comes out of nowhere, those concerns about the Cardinals came from something. Those, those were made of it. And maybe again, maybe they're not the full extent of them is, you know, uh, overplayed or whatever, but it came from somewhere. And I think what, to what you're saying, there's some legitimacy and I kind of just question, you know, at the end of the day, does Kyler want this more than anything? Does he really want to be an NFL quarterback? Like, is that his only thing? Is that his only, because obviously the baseball thing has come up. And is it really insane to say like that Kyler Murray could be playing baseball within 10 years? Like, would you, would you think that's crazy? Um, Crazy? No, I'd be surprised if Give me it a happens. chance. Give me a percentage chance. Kyler is in major league baseball in 10, within 10 years. 40 percent uh 35 that's a pretty big chance yeah yeah 35 percent i'll say although he did post some pictures of himself taking some swings recently on mm. social media like you know those guys that have the baseball they love to remind russell wilson loves to remind teams when his contract is due <laughs> that he could go play baseball and kyler's doing the same thing i mean all the that's fair they should <laughs> give yourself more leverage i don't blame him um are you ready for another one stats Lay it on me. All right. This is a favorite topic, some would say, of the off-day debrief about the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> we mentioned quite a bit. The Ravens not getting a long-term deal done with Lamar Jackson has more to do with their reluctance to hand out an extension than it does this narrative that keeps getting repeated that it's like Lamar is in complete control and it's the perception is like the Ravens are backing up the Brinks truck for him and he simply isn't taking it because he knows he can get more money by slow playing it. I think if the Ravens are low-key, totally fine, and should be fine with slow playing it. This isn't to say that they need to cut him or trade him or whatever right now, but like they should not be rushing to pay Lamar. They should absolutely be playing this year-to-year for now with the fifth-year option, with the franchise tags. Again, I bring it up all the time. It's a broken record. He's been really bad in the playoffs. And I just don't know how you can give the top quarterback contract ever. After and after we just saw Deshaun Watson get this fully guaranteed deal. You're going to give a fully guaranteed deal, like five years, whatever, six years, a bajillion dollars, $11 billion, as Keanu Reeves would say on Celebrity <laughs> Jeopardy on Saturday Night Live. Uh, uh, I just think the, the Ravens are being right to slow play it. And I don't think enough of the narrative is put that way as much as it's Lamar controlling the strings there. So this is interesting. I think the Ravens have created this narrative that it's all on Lamar. Hey, we've tried to contact him. He's not returning our calls. Literally, John Harbaugh was just on the Rich Eisen show and was talking about this and said, Lamar's a unique guy. People have been scratching their heads and trying to figure out Lamar for probably a long time ever since he was a kid. And he's got his way of going about doing things. But that's what you love about him. It's what I love about him. Get him on here and ask him. Maybe he'll tell you. So this could be a perfect play by the Ravens, right? Because maybe they are hesitant about yes. Lamar, but the way that they are publicly playing this is that, hey, we've tried and he's not responding so that if they do decide to part ways with him, it's all going to be on Lamar. Mm -hmm. The Ravens are not going to take any heat for this. It's kind of brilliant. 
Yes, that's what that's what I'm getting at. I think they're kind of hiding their kind of hesitancy about him behind, and it also it's kind of protecting like what they think of Lamar. Like they're 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 not trying to. I get you're saying like they're putting the ball in his court, but I think at the same time they're protecting him from an image standpoint of it's like in a way where it makes Lamar look smart as a like he's he's just trying to maximize his money and like we respect that or or you know we would like to have him, but you know he's going to play it how he does so. I think that's what's going on there. I think all the framing about like it's totally in Lamar and like the Ravens are like, oh, please sign a contract. We we just want to give you infinite money and like he just won't <laughs> do it. Like that's that's garbage. If they want, if they were going to give him the top quarterback contract in the NFL, he would sign it. Just you're just you're lying to yourselves if you think otherwise. Unless he likes the idea of maybe exploring somewhere outside of Baltimore. No. Again, you, so you don't think if he was giving them if they if the Ravens came above the Deshaun Watson contract for Lamar Jackson, you don't think Lamar is signing that? What if he thinks I can get that a year from now from when I hit the open market, or you know, a couple years from now, whatever, when I hit the open market? I think there is a. I mean, it's fully guaranteed. I just think I think there's risk. He could get hurt again. There's so many things that could happen. I know Lamar is unique. Whatever. I just think that you put that in front of someone. I think they're more likely to sign it than not. Uh, we see it. We see a lot of players sign these extensions that are actually a lot more team friendly um, than you would expect. Uh, and like and cave at certainly like Dak. Dak had no reason to cave last offseason. He did. He still got a lot more than he would have if he had signed originally. I just think if it was there, he would take it. And it's being made out to be otherwise that he is like just playing it super smart and being super slow. When I think it's the Ravens who are smart for slow playing it. Uh, the guy I used to work with, Mike Florio, always used to say, you know, it's one thing. When someone has a hypothetical like, oh, you know, you know, you're going to get an offer of 200 million or whatever quarterback offer it might be. It's another thing when someone comes to you and is like, write your name on this line and then you will have 200 million (laughs) dollars. Like it's it's another when it becomes real, when it goes from the hypothetical to the actual, it's a lot harder to say, no, I'm going to wait. Like it, and I, of course it would be right. Like, you know, literally everybody dreams like, what would it be like if I won the lottery and how amazing that would be? Well, if somebody had the winning ticket and they were holding it out to you and all you had to do was take it to get the money, that's a lot harder to turn down. I mean, the downside here is bigger than we always think. Like you could be like Teddy Bridgewater and have your knee explode in a training camp practice. You could be like Carson Wentz and your career falls up. Off a map, after off the is that the right phrase? Off the map after you like almost win the MVP. I just think there's a lot of downside that could happen, and yes, that's why you would take that, especially if it's fully guaranteed. Like at what that at what point is there to lose? It's not like you're messing around, you know, with like uh, you know incentives or whatever. It's fully guaranteed. Sign it. Can I just? This is an aside, but it really pisses me off because I just I have a pet peeve about stuff like this. People are saying. Deshaun Watson is the first quarterback to get a fully guaranteed contract. No, he's not. No. Kirk Cousins is the first quarterback to get a fully guaranteed contract. And he got it years ago from the Vikings. Like, I don't know why people are like, oh, my God, this precedent setting Deshaun Watson. Like, no. Well, it's the years. It's Kirk got what, like three? So it's a little bit shorter. Like, you know, then that's I mean, that's what like a five year deal typically is for most quarterbacks anyway, like like the standard five year deal pre Deshaun Watson is probably like really actually three years, but like Kirk's was just full three years, fully guaranteed. And Deshaun's is obviously five years, actual five years, not like a fake five years. Right. Yeah. But it just bogs, bothers me that people are like, Oh, Deshaun got the first fully guaranteed contract. No, he didn't. Sorry. That's an aside. That's a me thing. It's a me problem. I have like just pet peeves about that kind of stuff. Like, I don't like when people say, 
oh, look, the flag is at half mast. No, the flag is not at half mast. Only if it's on a ship is it at half mast. Mm. If it's on land, it's at half staff. Like, wow. I, just, I don't know. People just little a real things stickler like that. You are. Yeah, I'm kind of a stickler. That's fair. No one ever would have guessed that. Um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Russell Wilson uh, because you know me, stats. I'm a big Russell Wilson guy. So this is going against what I believe in, in my brand. But I think there's more downside to a Russell Wilson trade than probably most are willing to admit. And it's not that I think Russ is cooked, because I don't think that. But I think maybe he's fallen off a little further than I expect. And obviously, the AFC West is tough. Are we sure Nathaniel Hackett is like a good head coach? Like I think there's more downside potential for the Broncos then we seem to think because we just look at, oh, Russell Wilson, really good. And that's a huge upgrade on what they had in Drew Locke and whatever else they were trotting out there. And I still think it was a worthwhile swing for them. I'm not going to like crush them for taking the chance. I think that was worth it. And they had to do that kind of because what else were they going to do? But I think the downside here is concerning, especially because for as much as I love Russ, there's been some kind of big loser energy stuff from him and teammates not loving him oh, and yeah. things getting weird. And also how he just won't work the middle of the field. We're talking about Kyler Murray, you know, Jalen Hurts, maybe not work in the middle of the field. Like you were talking about with some of these shorter quarterbacks, Russ is kind of in that same boat. So I don't need that. I don't know that the Broncos need to work the middle of the field with the weapons they have on the outside, but I almost wonder, and I hate to do this. I really hate to do this. Do it. I, I love Russ, but like, is Russ just like James Harden NFL, like just regular season player, and especially James Harden now, who, if you're not privy to Sixers game stats, which I imagine you're not, like, kind of looks like Harden kind of looks cooked. And I think he has a hamstring issue, which isn't helping. But I almost wonder if Russ is just on this downside and he's not really going to regain it, especially in that tough division. I, I just think there's more downside to this whole thing for the Broncos than I would not. I don't feel super comfortable betting the over on their win total. That's what I'm saying. This is a two things are true situation, which is, of course, something that we don't do well with as NFL fans and analysts. The Broncos massively, massively improved by adding Russell Wilson to their team. Their quarterback play has been awful. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, hard pass. No thanks. Russ is way better than those guys. But is he still at the level where he's going to carry them and bring them above Justin Herbert? above Patrick Mahomes, above Derek Carr with kind of one of the, probably the best Raiders team Derek Carr has ever been on, not to mention all the other quarterbacks in the AFC. It's entirely possible that that answer is no. Like, we have no idea. So I, I agree with you. This is not like Broncos are going to be great. Book it, lock it in. Absolutely not. If you told me right now Denver Broncos missed the playoffs, I wouldn't be stunned at all because – like we talked about, the AFC is absolutely loaded. It's gonna be it's gonna be incredibly difficult for any team in the AFC to make the playoffs. I I think you're right. I don't think that Russ's skills have declined a ton. I think that was a little overblown, but it's just the fact of the matter is the circumstances of where they are. It's gonna be hard for anybody. If you told me the Chargers missed the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. The Raiders missed the play. I wouldn't be shocked if the Chiefs missed the playoffs. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really good division. I think the Broncos, yeah, could very conceivably finish last. And for as much as I love Russ, you can't completely wash his hands clean of how things deteriorated in Seattle. Like, I don't think clearly yep. it was all his fault, but he played more than 0% of that. There's some there's some legitimate concerns there. So I do wonder about that. And I, I don't want it to be true because I look again, I love Russ, um, but I, I just kind of wonder 
uh, if that'll be the case. I, I wanted to say for the AFC West, I kind of wanted to make my take that Justin Herbert is the best quarterback in that division. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm low key saying that here and throwing that in as a, a side thing. Uh, Cause I, I'm never not going to believe in the chargers and RJ's takes about them collapsing is always bad, but Oh, they lost to the Raiders. It was like a playoff game. Like, and they, they lost in overtime and it was extremely close. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we can move on if you're ready to move on. Yeah. The, the Russ thing I'm torn because he's a really good player, but he's also so phony. He's so <laughs> He spent time coming up with like go Bronx, let's ride, or go whatever the hell he Broncos said. Broncos like, country, let's ride. He spent time thinking about that. Like that is so bad. Jim Arbaugh wore the same clothes every day because he didn't want to waste time thinking about what he was gonna wear. He wanted to spend all his time thinking about how to get better. And Russell Wilson is sitting there thinking about what's my trademark slogan gonna be at the end of it. I just that's a that's a BLE thing right there. Anyway, okay, we can move on. All right. Rams will be the first team to repeat as Super Bowl champs since whatever the Patriots or whoever did it. Uh, and this kills me stats. I don't like these. Like, look, these are takes that I don't even like that I'm putting out there. because I don't like Sean McVay, but it's not about Sean McVay. I think Les Need is not getting enough credit. I think Sean McVay has received a disproportionate amount of credit for the Rams success. It's the roster. It's not the coaching that's giving them like this amazing edge in the playoffs with Sean McVay being super conservative. It's the talent that they have. They have a really talented roster. And I think underrated maybe story of the Rams is how unlike the Bucks last year, who the, what was the, what was the whole Bucks story that like every run it back. Pod, yeah, run it back. They're, they're returning 22 of 23, whatever, like whatever the number was of the starters and the coaching staff and whatever. The Rams decided, no, we're not just going to run it back. We're going to add even more talent. We're going to bring in Bobby Wagner. We're going to make all these signings. We're going to add even more talent to our roster. And that's what the mindset should be. Why sit on your hands when you can try to get even better? Because things don't stay status quo in the NFL. If you're not getting better, you're probably getting worse. Um, So I think you have to give Les Need a lot of credit for that aggressive mentality. It's what got the Rams to the Super Bowl and the championship last year. And I think he has not taken his foot off the gas. So I think the Rams, as and it kills me because I don't believe in Sean McVay, but when it comes to the talent, I believe in the talent. And also, you just look at the NFC and what's standing in their way. It's not really a ton. Uh, I think they could be the first team to repeat as Super Bowl champs in a while. That is bold. I completely don't agree with it, but I agree that uh, I shouldn't say completely. I agree that Les Snead doesn't get enough credit there for sure, uh, because it's and again, it's it's one thing to want to continue to get better and bring in this town and make these deals. But it's another thing to actually get them done and Les gets them done, man. They traded for Matthew Stafford like wing, bang, boom. The Niners would have loved to get Matthew Stafford. Kyle Shanahan admitted how disappointed he was when they didn't get Matthew Stafford. That's because Les Snead got on his horse and made this deal before anybody could say boo. That's a credit to him. He got it done. And I agree that the NFC is not very strong. The Rams are absolutely going to be in the mix. But I just look at Matthew Stafford and some of his play down the stretch, and I say this, and people take it as a knock, and I don't mean it as a knock. In order to win the Super Bowl, a lot of weird stuff has Mm -hmm. to go your way. Even if your team is really good and really talented, you still need, for lack of a better term, luck. You do. It's it's not a knock. It's everybody. Joukowsky Tart dropping that interception was huge. Also, the Rams have had incredible health mm-hmm. in the last three years with Sean McVay and, and Stafford and all those guys. Incredible health. Their roster is so top-heavy. 
that they need to have incredible health because if those guys get hurt because of the salary cap and what they make, they don't have the same organizational depth as other teams. But if your guys don't get hurt, it's not a problem. And they have to make, you know, it's some of it's luck. Maybe some of it's a credit to their training staff. I'm totally on board with that. But whatever the reason is, they have not had key guys miss a ton of time. And that's a factor too. Is that going to continue? I don't know. You know, everyone keeps saying the Ravens are going to be healthier next year. Well, you can also regress to the mean the other way. Maybe they'll have just an average amount of injuries, mm-hmm. and that could be the difference between a Super Bowl and not a Super Bowl. And Rams will win back-to-back titles, and no one will care because they don't have a real fan base. All right, are you ready for the next two? <laughs> wow. What a swipe at the end there. All right, lay it on me. All right, so our penultimate take here is that Justin Jefferson is playing his last season in Minnesota. The Vikings are going to be in a spot where they're going to have to trade him after 2022, if not during the season, if not before the trade deadline. Less likely, I think, more likely that would be after the season. But the Vikings are stuck in purgatory. They're doing, like, what are they doing? Where are they going, really? They have a new head coach, great, whatever. They're not going to get over the hump because of that. They still have Kirk Cousins. Justin Jefferson is absolutely going to get frustrated with continuing to have to play with that guy. He's going to look to... Uh, a former LSU player and probably someone he knows well, Odell Beckham Jr., and how it was in Cleveland. And I think that's this year's, that's going to be this year's kind of, or this future, you know, maybe again, not during the season, but in the offseason. Like the Baker OBJ rift is going to be the Kirk Cousins Justin Jefferson rift. That is the next one coming. He's going to realize he needs to get out of there to win big. I think Justin Jefferson is not a player who only cares about making money and putting up stats. He is a player who cares about winning a lot. He is a dog. They won a national championship at LSU, obviously in big part because of him. And I think that is part of his identity. Uh, So I think he's absolutely going to one out and he wants to win. So I think things are not trending in a way for Minnesota to make any meaningful progress. Again, kind of just stuck in the middle. I think Justin Jefferson is going to force his way out. He's playing his last season with the Vikings. I could totally get on board with that. And I'm going to sort of contradict myself a little bit here. And I, I know you'll jump on it as soon as I do. But as much as I stick up for Kirk Cousins, and I do, I, again, I don't think he's as bad Sad. as people say. It's undeniable that wide receivers specifically seem to get very frustrated with Kirk mm-hmm. Cousins pretty quick. We Adam Thielen was calling him out in a playoff game on the field. Obviously, Stephon Diggs wanted out of Minnesota. We have seen Justin Jefferson get frustrated with Kirk Cousins on the field and some of his reactions. Now you could you could brush that off and wave it away and say, oh, it's you know, heat of the moment, emotional game, blah, blah, blah. But this is not a new thing with Kirk. And I don't know what it is about him that frustrates receivers. Maybe he's just not aggressive enough for them, but it's a thing. It is real. We have seen it. You don't trade a guy like Stefan Diggs for no reason. He's incredibly good. They did. That happened for a reason. So I, I agree with you. I don't know why receivers don't seem to want to get along with him, but they don't. And I agree that Jefferson is not just going to, you know, sit idly by here and watch his career whittle away. He's never had less than 1,400 yards in a season. He's an incredible player. He sees what wide receivers are getting paid. Yep. He's seen guys force their way out, especially at his position. I agree. I think that enjoy it, Vikings fans, while it's here, because it ain't going to be here long. And there's absolutely going to be pressure from his camp. And I was kind of talking about this yesterday. Uh, 
to get a deal done because again, you mentioned it, you're looking at all this big wide receiver money. Who's been a better wide receiver in the NFL, arguably than Justin Jefferson, not too many uh, these past couple of years. He is absolutely, and him and his camp are absolutely going to be pressuring that team to pay him as soon as he's eligible, which is at the end of the 2022 season. And the Vikings might be like, well, you know, fifth year option and franchise tag or whatever. Like, I think Justin Jefferson would be willing to hold out and he could and he should because I think he has a lot of leverage. A, a ton of teams would be interested in him. And I think he's very much going to force a trade, assuming, you know, the Vikings don't have this great run to, let's say, the NFC championship game. Anything like think below that, I think he's really going to try to force his way out of there as he should. And uh, yeah, it's it's deserved. And maybe it's what the Vikings need. I could see from a Vikings perspective, maybe this is the year they realize, okay, we are kind of stuck in the middle and we need to kind of tear it back down. And they trade Justin Jefferson and they somehow find a way to unload Kirk Cousins and they kind of get, you know, a, a big haul in return. And maybe they use that haul to actually get a quarterback, a real quarterback of the future moving <laughs> forward. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's the end, the beginning of the end for him there. I could see, you know, maybe Minnesota times it out as like, look, as long as Rodgers is in this division, man, we're not we're not winning it. So maybe we, you know, sell the farm and we try to time this thing up to where just as Rodgers is done in Green Bay, we kind of have rebuilt and reassembled and we are ready to ascend in the division. So we'll see what happens uh, with the Vikings. But I agree. Justin Jefferson is not going to be there long. If I was a team like Kansas City, what do you want? You want two first round picks? Great. Yeah. Here, take them. Like, Who's where, not where gonna are you going to use him? Like, there's going to be a, the whole the whole league is going to win. Yeah, I agree. I mean, God, the guy's freaking incredible. Uh, all right, what's the last one? Last one here, stats. Why don't we take it? To, uh, and it's, you know, look, it's been a very quarterback heavy episode, but doesn't that make for the best takes? Isn't that the most polarizing stuff anyway? What do you Agreed. want me to say here? This this offensive lineman actually isn't that good. Okay, people <laughs> are going to really react to that, but. We haven't talked about the upcoming 2022 NFL draft, which, hey, is only 16 days away as we're recording this on Tuesday, April 12th. Looking forward to it, Stats. Uh, we'll have a lot of good coverage here at the SB Nation NFL show. Yeah, we I will. I think the best quarterback from the 2022 NFL draft will be Matt Corral. Ooh. I think his arm is legit. If you've seen him throw, uh, everyone talks about, you know, gimmicky offense at Ole Miss. I was saying Ole Miss in my head for a long time. Stats. Ole Miss. I like that. I know. People people make fun of me for it, but I can't not see it when I see it. Anyway, not the point. I think Matt Corral is very much boomer bust. I don't feel confident in him being this great projection to the NFL. I do feel confident in his upside, like his ceiling. I think he has very intriguing potential, and I think – for that reason, I will go out there and I will say he will be the best quarterback because I, I believe he can do that. I believe that upside, that ceiling exists for him. Uh, there's leadership things with him I like too, the athleticism. Not to say, again, there's, there's absolutely red flags. And kind of expanding on this take a little bit, I think this quarterback class as a whole will be better than expected. Everyone's saying, oh, it's so bad. It's, it's, you, know, you, don't, you can't take a quarterback, whatever. You can't force it. I'm, I, and I understand why that's being, those things are being said. Again, I don't think the projections of these players are certainly, you know, like slam dunk by any means. That doesn't mean it can't be a good quarterback class. I think Kenny Pickett can come in and we'll be able to do some things. I think Malik like can be a starter. I don't know a great one, but I think he'll be like a starter for years. Malik Willis, he is tantalizing upside. I think there's some talent in this class, but I think Matt Corral will be the best of them. We painted the 2018 quarterback class like it was going to be, you know, 
the Elway Marino Jim Kelly quarterback club. We don't know. We don't know. More than half. If you get a first round that has like six good players in it, that's an incredible first round. Well, guess what? That means that a hell of a lot of players in that first round stunk. So we can say all we want. And I know there's conventional wisdom that takes hold before the draft and all that stuff. But like all these quarterbacks in this class could end up being awesome players. If there's one thing we've shown when it comes to quarterbacks is we don't know what the hell we're talking about. I mean, look at the throws that Justin Herbert makes on the field. They're mutant throws. Like they're (laughs) obscene, ridiculous throws. Yet we didn't have him as the runaway number one quarterback in the class. The Dolphins took two ahead of him and, and people were fine with that at the time. Like we don't know. So if there's a quarterback that a team likes in this draft and they trade up and they go get him, good. Go for them. Like they're going to get knocked after the draft for it. And it could be a completely reasonable, sane, logical thing to do. Patrick Mahomes, 10th overall pick in 2017. Deshaun Watson, 12th overall pick in 2017. Didn't so like, you know, we don't, you don't know. You don't, you just don't know. You don't know that this is definitely a bad quarterback class and it's not even worth taking it. And it might turn out that way. I could be wrong. Sure. I get it. I, I, there is absolutely downside. Anyone would be lying if they didn't say there's significant downside with this quarterback class. I get that. There's risk. And I, I understand. I acknowledge all that. I understand that. I'm not going to say sit here and say it's going to be, you know, Hall of Fame kind of class. But I just think people are sleeping on it a little bit. And I think Corral is going to be the best of them. There's going to be a team, at least one team, that I think like really hits on a quarterback this year. And that could really like shake things up and change that team's outlook by a lot. Like, let's say, and maybe it's even the Steelers. Let's just take a team, for example, and say they get someone at 20 or they trade up or whatever, and it's Mitchell Trubisky there starting at the beginning of the year. He struggles or whatever, or the, or maybe he doesn't start. Maybe the rookie comes in and he, you know, he kind of makes uh, Mitch Trubisky the next Matt Flynn and totally takes over like Russell Wilson, and maybe it's Matt Corral, and he just seizes that job from the jump, and all of a sudden, wow, this team's really dangerous. So the upside can be worth it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, yeah, these quarterbacks aren't that good, but... The, the, it's so tempting to take them because again, like the upside is really, really good. So I want to stick up for this quarterback class and I want to stick up for Matt Corral. And I'm totally fine with it. And the other thing is like, we, we act like all this stuff happens in a vacuum, which is absurd, right? What if Matt Corral goes to a team that has a quarterback coach that he really clicks with and that a team that just happens to have personnel to where that personnel perfectly matches up with the strengths of his game. Like all of that stuff matters and is a factor in determining how good these guys end up being, right? Like this is a simple example, but you'll get the point. If you have a noodle arm quarterback, that guy can't be in Bruce Arian's system. He, like Chad Pennington could not have been in Bruce Arian's <laughs> system. He doesn't have the arm strength. Bruce liked to chuck it deep down the field. So Chad Pennington is going to look like a bad quarterback if he's in that system. But if you put him somewhere in like a Kyle Shanahan type system where it's all short passes and accuracy is what needs to be the the main thing that a quarterback has, guy's going to look like a totally different player. Yet when these guys are picked, we act like right away, that's a good pick. That's a bad pick. It's like, no, that's just not how it works. Do you have a controversial non-NFL opinion stats that you would like to share? And if not, I can go with one to buy you time. Ooh, uh, you go first and I'll, I'll craft one. People hate on mayonnaise way too much. This idea that it's like <laughs> disgusting and it's gross. And here's the thing. People are being complete frauds about it because they love eggs. Everyone freaking loves eggs for the most part. There's some people who don't like eggs. I think more often than not, though, eggs are pretty popular in the zeitgeist 
And what the heck is mayo made out of? It's made out of eggs, people. And it's not the same thing, obviously. You're not eating like raw eggs. Or, but the point is that mayo gets way too much hate. I don't want to sit here and be, quote, a mayo boy, as people will call them. These people, you know, like the, the, <laughs> these, you know, because, oh, I like mayonnaise. So I'm, I'm, I'm fitting into that thing. No, that's not it. I don't need to put mayonnaise on every single thing. But it is good. And it gets way too much hate. And I'm not going to stand for it. I would rather have mayonnaise than mustard or ketchup. Not a mustard or ketchup guy. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's with you right until the end there. Mustard is fantastic. And there's so many different varieties. I mean, in the right context, it can be okay. But in general, I will not stand for it. Uh, but I, I, I guess I will say if I have to have mustard or ketchup, I mean, it depends on the circumstance, what we're talking about, you know, using it for as a dip. But I'd probably lean mustard. But not a ketchup guy shout out to chicago where ketchup is basically outlawed um <laughs> i can do a spicy ketchup i will say that I, that's the saving grace for ketchup if you mix it you know like some sriracha or whatever and you kind of get the mix going on that's that's a little bit better a little bit more acceptable uh what is yours or do you have any thoughts on mine uh well i, I like must i think mayonnaise is in in small quantities there's nothing wrong with mayonnaise i give me a turkey sandwich with some mayo great yeah. i'm happy a dry a sandwich come on so i'm there for that uh, I will say outside of applesauce and jelly, fruit Uh-oh. should never be cooked. Like what is a pie? What are, what are, okay. Apple pie is trash. I will not stand <laughs> for apple pie. I don't want this. Like it's all about the texture for me. I don't, I don't want this like chunky kind of the te- like this, like hard to bite kind of apple. Like I, I just don't like it. All pie is garbage. No, no. That's see, I will not. That's a bridge too far. Pumpkin garbage. pie is good. Nope, it's you all like, like trash. A, a banana cream pie. No. A chocolate pie. No. Triple berry no. pie. Wow. It's terrible. And everyone loves pie. What do you what do you mean? What do you mean you don't eat pie? Yeah. What about chicken I, pot pie? That's a different. That's not cooked fruit. That's a pie. It's not cooked fruit, though. Pie is literally in the title. Yeah, but you said all pie is trash. I mean, when I think of pie, I think of a dessert. How do Although you feel I about- don't love chicken pot pie but it's how, do you, how do you feel about 3.141 trash garbage wow the number even the number. pie you know too many I, digits i don't like pie i don't know how to ride a bike and i don't like when people don't know the difference between half staff and half mast that's me i mean the bike thing isn't an opinion that's just like that's a lack of skill like where how did that get looped into there well it's just things about me that people can't believe when they hear are you anti-bike riding no Okay. Go ahead, ride a bike. I don't care. But like, I've passed the point now where learning how to ride one would be useful to me in any way. Mm. I have a car. I know how to drive. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Good. There you go. That's gonna do it for this edition of the Off Day Debrief. Again, rate, review, follow. You got any problem with our food takes? Let us know. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I am at Stats on Fire. He is at Brandon Gowden. We're here for it all day, every day. Like BLG said, our draft coverage, we are going to have live draft shows for you. We're going to do a bunch of different Twitter spaces. We're going to have people from our different team communities come on the Twitter space. If you want to ask them about your team's draft, what about this guy? Did you like this move? Whatever you want to do, come and be a part of it. It's going to be a ton of fun. So you want to subscribe to the SP Nation NFL show so you don't miss any of it. BLG, thank you for double duty this week. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks for putting up with me stats many people say it i am the best (laughs) that's it everybody enjoy your tuesday